You are listening to episode 16 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline with a hastily thrown together format. Brought to us this week by Consistency and Reliability. Something that could apply to the Carolina Hurricanes as they got swept by the Boston Bruins four games to nothing, and also certain co-hosts of podcasts. I'll be talking about both in a minute. But as always, I am Carlos Alcazar, hosting solo today with no uh, co-host Dave Turnbull. And that's because Dave, in the spirit of consistency and reliability, actually is off at the cottage this week. Now, I wasn't too surprised at that, to be honest with you. I was expecting it. It is, uh, this weekend is the Victoria Day long weekend here in Canada. So it is a very traditional long weekend where a lot of people go off generally to places like the cottage. Now, I don't know if this is really an international phenomenon or something that applies at other places. So I'll give you kind of the Canadian experience behind that uh, for context, you know, for the uninitiated. So the cottage is basically, the best way to put it is it's kind of like, the Canadian equivalent of people who have too much time on their hands and probably too much money, even if they claim otherwise, really the kind of people that should always be picking up the drink tab because they have enough time, enough effort, and certainly enough money to be able to rent, lease, or even purchase a small shack to even a second house off in the middle of nowhere north because apparently even although we're in Southern Ontario here, apparently we're not North enough in Canada. So generally when you're a person that will go to the cottage in this kind of situation, you're someone who will hop in the car and drive, you know, 45 minutes, an hour to even a couple of hours further up North to the middle of nowhere. So you can hang out in nature and, you know, swim in a lake and basically go and hang out and have some fun to de-stress from the hustle and bustle of living in a Canadian suburb. As you can imagine, a very traumatic place. Being that I live in the suburbs myself, I feel that my life is in constant danger, and my stress level is always at at least a 9.5 out of 10. And by that I mean, really, you could just walk over to a park. It just seems like a lot of time and effort for nothing, but that's just me. Maybe the problem is that I wasn't born in Canada, I just came here after, and I think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So that's my take on the cottage life. But with all that said, in fairness, Dave will be off and enjoying himself in the cottage, he did make a note when we were having a quick exchange about it. He says, well, at least you'll have plenty of fodder to make fun of me. I paraphrase, but he, as you can gather from what I've said right now, he is correct. So since I can't make fun of Dave in person, we'll have to settle for talking about a couple of sports topics here. So we're going to talk about the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs a little bit more now that the Carolina Hurricanes have been eliminated by the Boston Bruins. And also San Jose is currently up two games to one on St. Louis. I'm also going to be talking a little bit about the NBA draft, which is why what makes Dave's absence a little bit unfortunate, because his New Orleans Pelicans, why the New Orleans Pelicans, don't ask me, the fleeting nature of Dave's fandom has been a topic of discussion on this podcast and will continue to be so in the future, but they won, they won the lottery and thus, with a 6% chance, got the first overall draft pick in the NBA draft where the consensus is that they would potentially draft Zion Williamson. Well, I have a few questions about that, obviously, and we'll talk about that in a second. And also, the real question is, how will this affect Anthony Davis, if at all? So that's kind of a question that's brought up there. And also a little bit about the NBA playoffs. I won't spend too much time on it, but I will say a couple of things about it. And then I've got some things I'm going to look forward to. Quick programming note as well. So other than making fun of Dave for the cottage thing, next week is going to be kind of interesting because depending on the scheduling, we may either record a little bit early and then put it a little bit later, in which case we'll refer to a shorter week worth of uh, events. So if something crazy happens, we wouldn't have known about it by the time we recorded. Or the alternate is because next week, Dave is actually going to take a vacation because, of course, coming off the, the cottage life this week, he, of course, needs you know to settle down from the cottage life and all the stresses 
of being in the middle of nowhere with nature, and then a couple of days back at work, and then suddenly he needs to go off to vacation. Now, I will give him a little bit of a pass on this one, just because we knew about this one in advance. But it is kind of hilarious that coming off the cottage life, he will then go off on vacation gallivanting to the city of San Francisco. But at least he'll attend a sporting event, so maybe he can talk about that in a couple of weeks. So we'll, we'll see how that piece plays out. So let's talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs a little bit. As I said, Boston swept the Carolina Hurricanes, which is hilarious in a way. You know, kind of karmically appropriate, given the Tom Dundon experience and our disdain for that team, and the, its owner particularly. But it kind of, kind of leaves us in a situation where now our outcomes, well, really, I shouldn't say outcomes. I, what I really mean is our scenarios are this. We're going to have the Boston Bruins, where again a Boston team is in a championship game in one of the four major sports, taking on either the St. Louis Blues or the San Jose Sharks. Now, as you can imagine, the excitement is palpable. And by that, I mean the NHL somewhere, someone is face-palming so hard they are going to have post-concussion syndromes. The only person in more danger of getting a concussion is Dave if, you know, the Bears and the Beavers start playing soccer. He's going to have to protect his head. He's going to, I already told him he has to wear his helmet. So, you know, he has to take proper protective measures. But someone at NHL headquarters might be having post-concussion right now from face-palming over these potential NHL Stanley Cup outcomes. I'm going to root for the Western team because I do cheer on a Western conference team, but I don't really, uh, to be honest with you, from an experience standpoint, I would expect Boston to win the Stanley Cup against either one of these opponents. I would love to be surprised, but I don't know if anyone is really going to get that amped up or excited if I say San Jose Sharks, 2019 Stanley Cup champions, or if I say St. Louis Blues, 2019 Stanley Cup champions. And if I say 2019 Stanley Cup champion Boston Bruins, no one outside of Massachusetts is going to care, like in all honesty. But these are the scenarios that are presented before us, so we're going to have to kind of work with it. So my prediction is going to be Boston against the field, regardless. Uh, obviously, right now the Char- San Jose Sharks are up two games to one, and we're going to have a couple. We're going to have another game this weekend, and we'll move closer to figuring out what that matchup is going to look like, and we'll talk about it more when we get there. One more quick point of order here. In the show notes, as well as in the description, if you're watching a static image on YouTube. I will put timestamps to a lot of this so you can jump around and catch any topic that interests you. So if you don't care about the NHL playoffs, you can skip ahead to right now where I'm going to talk about the NBA playoffs for a moment. Really, I don't have a ton to say about it, but I did watch the Raptors game taking on Milwaukee. Giannis was held reasonably effectively. Uh, The Raptors actually seem to have a pretty good game plan for holding him down a little bit, but they shot terribly. And when Brooke Lopez is torching you for nearly 30 points, I don't expect that to be replicated in game two necessarily, but at the same time, That's concerning, and it wasn't surprising. That was one of the things that I thought might be an issue because you've got basically a seven-foot-tall guy that can hit three-pointers. And if you can't defend against that and you're not going to... You can't expect Giannis to have, you know, all bad games in the series. You You can limit him to a little bit, but if he starts getting his shot off and he starts getting to the net, it's going to be a short series for Toronto. Obviously, I still don't think the series is over by any stretch of the imagination, but they're going to have to put up a much better performance in game two if they intend to get anywhere with it. For the Western Conference matchup, the Golden State Warriors came back in order to beat Portland, and Portland had a real chance to win game two. They uh, they really didn't shoot well down the stretch either, and they allowed Golden State to kind of get some shots off and be able to go as far as they can go, given that they still have some phenomenal shooters. And the fact is, they improved defensively when they know that they have to commit to it a little bit more. They played a much better team game without Kevin Durant there. The truth is, as I think a lot of people have said, They're not a better team without Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a great player, but at the same time, sometimes he becomes a bit of a crutch. It's kind of a, 
Self-fulfilling prophecy. You say you have Kevin Durant, and then, you know, he's the best player in the world, if you believe that. I don't have a problem with it. You know, the argument can be made. But at the same time, when you have a player like that, you expect them kind of to take over the game. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But you almost forget that the Golden State Warriors have championship caliber players who were able to win a championship without him. And that quote-unquote supporting cast is actually quite good. And Portland found out a little bit about that. They can't take for granted. Even if Kevin Durant does not come back in the Western Conference Finals, the fact of the matter is Portland is still going to have to put in a complete effort from beginning to end in order to have a chance to knocking off the Golden State Warriors. In the finals, we'll have a different conversation depending on who comes out of there. Probably Milwaukee, if we're being honest. But we're going to have to see if, if they're able to put it in. But the reality is Golden State is still more than good enough to beat Portland if Portland isn't there to give their max effort for the entire game. So I won't wade too far into the NBA waters because, as you well know, I'm, I don't consider myself sufficiently qualified. But even as a layman, I can come up with those very basic conclusions. So moving on over to the NBA draft. Let's talk about that for a second. I did watch the NBA draft, and I thought the coverage beforehand was interesting. It was kind of fun watching them try to embarrass Zion. It was a little weird because I know a lot of these events do a similar kind of thing. I think the NFL draft does a similar thing where the, the panel is mic'd up so that obviously the television audience can hear them, but everybody in the crowd can hear them. So they're having a conversation about Zion Williamson while Zion Williamson is sitting there in the front row. And it's like, it would be weird to me not being part of the conversation, but listening to people talk about you who are only a couple of feet away Way, while at the same time hearing it over a loudspeaker and then a camera's in your face getting your reaction to everything. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, and they made reference to it because uh, the host Rachel Nichols referenced that uh, they seem to be embarrassing him. It's like, well, of course you're embarrassing him. You're talking about the guy, you know, how great he is and how transcendent right to his face while you've got a camera in his face. It's just kind of hilarious from a television concept. Anyway, the NBA draft was... Um, Interesting. Sure, not the draft, sorry. The draft lottery. The draft lottery was interesting because we ended up with both the Los Angeles Lakers and the New York Knicks with the possibility of being in the top four. And then as soon as that happened, you know, they went to commercial break, which was brilliant. It was, uh, it was hilarious because it gave the New York Knicks and the Los Angeles Lakers fans this moment of anxiety as they kind of had to wait. It's like, oh, you know, what's going to happen? You know, almost kind of forgetting that Memphis and the New Orleans Pelicans were also in that top four. So as a result of it, you know, the NBA got kind of in some ways, the best case scenario, but in some ways, the worst case scenario, where the two big market teams ended up fourth and third. So the Lakers got the fourth pick overall, and the New York Knicks got the third pick overall, with the New Orleans Pelicans getting the first pick overall, and the Memphis Grizzlies getting second. It is kind of hilarious that the two small markets are the ones that got the one and the two, which are kind of the ones that a lot of, um, that a lot of the general manager would covet. The three and the four isn't bad, but it's just hilarious to be that close when you already had to kind of uh, be lucky to move down into that possible position. To be that close and just miss when the Los Angeles Lakers and the New York Knicks right now are kind of vying for who's the bigger big market dumpster fire. It is hilarious that the two small market teams of all things actually got the two better picks. Now, that does leave a question. If we go with just, if we go with just chalk and we say, okay, you've got the first overall draft pick, this is what's going to happen. So then the New Orleans Pelicans draft Zion Williamson. That is the, the logical move. After that, you can make arguments about different players, but the consensus number one right now is Zion Williamson. What makes it interesting, and obviously became the subject for the talking heads for the rest of the week, was that, okay, so the New Orleans Pelicans have that. Does that in any way impact Anthony Davis sticking around? And whether or not Anthony Davis sticks around, does that mean that Zion Williamson wants to play for New Orleans? 
And of course, he's said all the right things and they've dispelled any rumor or possibility. It was hilarious to me that they actually said someone actually threw out the idea that he would go back to Duke. That was hysterical to me. Not because Zion necessarily wants to play in New Orleans. I kind of don't think he does. But the reason why I think it's hilarious is I don't care whether you want to play in New Orleans or not. If you're basically told, like, you're to be in the NBA, you have to play in New Orleans, with millions of dollars on the line, you're not going back to college. There's way too much money to be made. There's a big shoe deal to sign, and there's potentially millions of dollars on the table by being a professional. You do not go back to college and risk. All it would take for a guy as athletic as Zion is to jump for a ball and snap his leg. Or maybe he has another problem where his shoe explodes and he twists his leg in some way where it requires surgery. There's a million things that could go wrong. If you're going to do that, you want to do it on an NBA basketball court playing an NBA game with a contract already signed. You want to have your shoe deal signed and you want to have your professional contract signed. Now, whether you want to play in New Orleans or not, if you're part of his inner circle and you really, really, really don't want to play for the Pelicans, well, that's not difficult. I think you go to the management and say, look, we're not going to say anything publicly. We have no interest in, uh, in playing here. So why don't we just stay real quiet and why don't you just shop around the number one pick and let's see where we end up. I don't know if that's going to happen and I'm not suggesting it is, but to do, but to do anything else, to do anything public would be a terrible idea. You've already seen with the Anthony Davis example, the moment you declare that you want out, especially if you're a rookie player who hasn't played one second in the NBA, it would be a terrible look. Like already Anthony Davis is a little bit of a villain in New Orleans. Part of what's going to make this interesting is, does it have any impact on it? I think the bridge is burnt with Anthony Davis in New Orleans, but New Orleans still holds all the cards. They potentially have the carrot of having this you know, number one draft pick along with a great NBA superstar player, albeit he's having a little bit of an injury problem from last year. But your expectation is if he heals up and he's playing and he's fully healthy, he should be a great player next year. The question is going to be how interested is Anthony Davis in playing in New Orleans, even for a stretch of time? Because theoretically, New Orleans could still trade him and drag it out all the way to the trade deadline well into 2020. I don't know if that's going to be their angle on it. I don't know if they're going to want to make the move sooner. But obviously, they've got an opportunity now to spend the next couple of months either trying to convince him or trying to work out some kind of deal that works for New Orleans. But if you end up doing that, and the reason why this whole exercise is interesting to me, is if you end up doing that, your end result is basically you've traded your previous situation for a new version of it. So you had Anthony Davis for years and couldn't win anything. So now you're going to have Zion Williamson. And, you know, hopefully, if you do trade Anthony Davis, you can trade him for some kind of equity, players, pick, something that would allow you to build a team, presumably around Zion Williamson. But I don't know how interested he's going to be in replicating the Anthony Davis experience. You know, will he play out his years uh, where he's required to and then look for the first opportunity to hit skip out of town? The fact of the matter is, if you offer Anthony Davis the max money and he's still not interested in sticking around... I don't know how you're going to entice free agents or how you're going to entice other players to want to come and stick around there either. That's really what's going to make it interesting because in the long run, as a young player, you're not necessarily in a hurry, but you also don't want to sit there and suck for a long period of time just, you know, while everybody's trying to figure everything out. It puts New Orleans in an interesting spot. I don't know what that's going to come out, what what it's going to look like for them. Obviously, on paper, they have two tremendous assets. They have a superstar player and a great number one and a number one pick, which you can convert into a potential superstar player. But what they're actually going to end up with by the end of next season is really what's going to be the interesting storyline out of New Orleans. So that right there is just talking about just the number one pick alone. 
Obviously, the other element of it is, what are the New York Knicks going to do? What are the Los Angeles Lakers going to do? Both of them are still on the outside looking in. Obviously, everyone agrees that things would change drastically if Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or some combination therein end up in New York. But it's not a guarantee. It's not written in stone by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of these players are very moody. And the reality is, you can go and be a big star almost anywhere now. New York has certain appeal because you could be a god if you go in there as a superstar player now and produce an NBA championship at the Garden. The reality is that has a certain cachet, a certain marquee. And if you're Kevin Durant, the additional um, equity that you gain for your legacy, because you're in Golden State and you're playing with this team that, as I said, is already really, really good without you. And obviously you're like the you're like the icing on the cake of the whole picture, but going somewhere else where you are truly the man unquestioned. And if you're able to produce a winner there, then that kind of takes you to another echelon, which Kevin Durant technically has never done. So that's really what's going to be interesting for him. And Kyrie Irving obviously has flamed out in Boston and it isn't a good look for him. So the question is going to be, where does he go and who is with him there? And are they able to produce a winner in that situation? Is this experience in Boston going to change anything for Kyrie Irving or is it going to be more of the same? Again, no guarantees because it is the New York Knicks. Nothing is locked in, nothing is set in stone, and nobody really knows definitively what the final decision is going to be until the contracts are signed, offered, and signed. And that's really what the question is going to be for that. The LA Lakers are an entirely different kettle of fish. I think they're still a dumpster fire. I have no idea what they would possibly do. I think they're kind of screwed in LA this year. I think it's going to be another year where the Clippers are probably going to be the better version of the LA team. And that's really what's going to make things interesting out in Los Angeles this season. So that covers the main topics that I mainly wanted to focus on. But before I get into the things I'm looking forward to, I'm going to give you a little factoid of the day, if you will. So Edwin Jackson signed with Toronto Blue Jays recently, and that actually makes it the 14th different Major League Baseball team that he has signed for, which is the most team played for in MLB history. 14 different teams, which you know puts him one ahead of Octavio Dotel, the infamous Octavio Dotel, uh, my, you know, two ahead of Mike Morgan, Matt Stairs, and Ron Vallone. A completely random statistic that I know secretly deep down inside you all wanted to know. But I I just saw that and I thought it was very interesting. Now, as far as things I'm looking forward to this week, or this weekend in particular, the last two rounds of the PGA Championship, uh, Brooks Kepka, you know, has already kind of taken the field by storm. A big opening round, uh, seven under, you know, seven under 63, was followed by a five under second round. So right now he's a 12 under par, five strokes ahead of the next nearest competitor. Does that mean he's going to win the major championship? No, not necessarily, but it is about as good a start as you could ask for, especially since the the course has been playing rather difficult and your next closest competitor is five under. A solid weekend could, you know, seal another major championship there for him. Right now, he is, gets to play front runner. So going into Saturday and Sunday, that's going to be kind of an interesting thing. And one other kind of note there is that since I'm recording late on Friday, I can already tell you that Tiger Woods missed the cut, which is not too surprising given that he basically didn't play any rounds of competitive golf after his master's win, which probably was a mistake. The truth is when you have the momentum going and you're, you know, riding high. Now, I don't know if he was suffering from a couple of ill effects, some injuries. Obviously, he's been fairly injury prone the last couple of years and you don't want to re-aggravate something, but it's really hard to go from you want a championship, you know, you have the high of all that, you do the interview circuit, and then you shut it down, no competitive rounds until the next major, even if it's only a couple of weeks later. You kind of want to be playing a little bit here and there competitively, if if at all possible. So we'll see if he regroups. Obviously, he's going to have you know a little bit of time now to work on getting himself ready for the next major championship. 
which I think is the U.S. Open, if memory serves me. I forget if the sequence... Now that the PGA Championship has moved up, I think the sequencing now is Masters, PGA Championship, U.S. Open, and I think the Open Championship is now last because the Open Championship, I believe, is usually in July. So I think that's right, but obviously you can certainly fact-check me and correct me on that. Another thing I'm looking forward to that I think is interesting is there's going to be a fight night for UFC in Rochester. Now, normally, you know, as exciting as that sounds, it doesn't seem like uh, too big a deal. So you've, in your main event, you've got Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Kevin Lee. And you've also got a Megan Anderson fight taking on Felicia Spencer. But also interesting for me, on the undercard, you actually have uh, Aspen Ladd, who had a fight, who had a big fight with uh, Holly Holm, scrapped. So it is kind of interesting that you know someone who had a high-profile fight uh, got reduced to technically the prelims. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing because it is a rematch with Sajara Eubanks, who she did take on in Invicta FC. So if any of you are familiar at all with the all-women's fight promotion Invicta FC, you would have you would have seen that fight originally. Aspen Ladd is still undefeated, 7-0. So she'll be trying to go to 8-0 if she's able to beat Sajara Eubanks. It, puts her, it continues down the road of potentially getting closer to a title fight in the bantamweight division so it'll be interesting to see kind of where that goes though you know but i think it'll put her in the i think she's ranked number six now and i think that would probably put her into the top five i really don't know how ufc's rankings work at this point but it is interesting and it creates a, i think a compelling card with some interesting potentially interesting fights anyway and you got charles Oliveira and a couple of other fighters that i think will be worth watching especially on a fight night where you can usually catch it on free tv so that's another thing i'll definitely be looking forward to this weekend in addition to nba and nhl playoffs so it's going to be chock full i think there's a lot going on this weekend which is going to be fun and then uh in canada anyway i don't know where you are if it applies the same way monday is going to be an off day so that's going to be kind of fun a short week for a lot of us so i think that's it that's really all i wanted to talk about on kind of a chill laid back friday evening a little bit of a shorter podcast we'll try to get back to a more standard one regardless of whether it's a solo pod or whether we're able to record one I'll come back with a with a list of things because obviously we're going to know a little bit more. We're going to know what the Stanley Cup finalists most likely, depending on how the next couple of games go, we'll probably know what the Stanley Cup finals looks like. And we'll be a lot closer to looking at what our NBA finals is going to look like as well. And then we'll talk about a little follow-up on a couple of these things and who won the PGA Championship because I'll be interested to see if... Kepka can finish it off or if someone else comes in and is able to close the gap. But he's looking a little bit unbeatable right now through two rounds. So we'll definitely see how that goes. Quick uh, shameless plugs before I go. As always, you can find us on YouTube if you look up Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. Just type in the whole thing and you can check out any of our previous podcasts. And occasionally I will do some of the uh, UN pod extras. I'm going to try maybe to do one after the PJ Championship probably. So I might record something after that. A lot of it is going to depend on you know which sports you're interested in. And I'll do it from time to time. Other places, you can find us on Instagram at Unnecessary Podcast. Twitter at unnecessary underscore pod and our site is unnecessary pod altogether dot podbean dot com so from the unnecessary nonsense podcast worldwide studio i'm going to come up with an outro at some point i'm sure so from the worldwide studio here in southern ontario canada thanks again for listening and we will catch you on the next episode of the unnecessary nonsense podcast